Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Eric. Hello, Ward. We are, as always, powered by... Tried something new. I mean, I like just getting right up top with our community cars, just like put it right in their face. And be like, these guys are the best. If you need the best car at the best price with the best service, go to the best place, Community Cars, communitycars.com. Bam! Wow. That almost sounded like you were reading bullet points. And you weren't, because we don't do that. We are not (laughs) professional enough to do that. I will tell you, Holly needs a new car. I think I talked about it a little bit before. You did. Went to Evan. Holly told him what she's got, what she wants to pay for a car. Hooked her up, looking at a Kia Sportage. You know I'm a Kia fan. It's it's unbelievable. The guy just, here's two cars, here's the specs, here's what you wanted, here's the costs, sign here if you want it, uh, it'll be delivered to your house. I mean, it couldn't be better, but it was great because Holly's been paying like really low, low, low um, monthly uh, payments for her current lease. And the interest rates have gone crazy since her last car lease. So everything has increased and she's got a specific budget. And she went to Evan and said, here's the budget I have. And he said, well, here are the best cars that you can get for that budget. Boom, simple, easy. I mean, it's just whatever budget you have, he's got a car. And if he doesn't have it in stock, he goes and finds it from wherever it is on the globe. You know what my budget is? Zero. Free 99. Free 99. And do they have that? We say that community cars can accommodate any budget. Can they accommodate free 99? Daryl? Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. We've had some calls for uh, wanting to know where Daryl has been. I told them I didn't like talking about this, but Daryl's been suspended because of HR issues. Look, Daryl, we we have... Patience, we have tolerance, we have understanding for Daryl. But when those kind of complaints start coming in, it's just a liability issue for us. Yeah, you you got to wear pants at work. <laughs> I mean, you have to wear pants. Like and it's just wearing, not that much to ask. And if you're wearing a skirt, you got to wear something under the skirt. Daryl says to us, "Hey, uh, I I just thought the Zoom camera only got like the top half of me." We're like, "Yeah, but Daryl, you're in person." And and you keep standing up. <laughs> so Daryl's a problem. All right. Look, 
this is going to be a fun episode because mm -hmm. we've never had a guest quite like this. It's a little bit of my different worlds colliding, which I love, and it's really fun and cool and weird, and we will get to that. But before we do, we do need to talk about what's going on in the world of IU athletics, and I want to start with the IU women's basketball team. Which Here we go. Here we go. Just smoked Purdue at home. Another blowout game. What is that, like 11 straight or something crazy? Against Purdue, yeah. Yeah. But the individual achievement in that game we have to talk about, which is Mackenzie Holmes is now the all-time leading scorer in the history of IU women's basketball. I just can't think of a better human being and representative of everything that IU women's basketball has become than Mackenzie Holmes. For her to be on top of that mountain is sensational. She is the GOAT. She is the scoring GOAT for a women's program that – Let's let's be honest, before Terry Morin showed up, there wasn't a lot of history, but I think you're always going to be looking back to, you could go to Tyra, certainly Grace, but Mackenzie is is like the, the great figure of this era. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm having a smoothie. Sure. I'm not make, getting blessed. Makes sense. Makes sense to have it now. I'm not getting choked up talking about Mac being the all-time leading scorer, but I could. But she is. She's just so representative of this, the birth of Indiana women's basketball being truly a great program. Yeah, the game was so much fun to watch. I watched it with Stella. Stella had a friend over, and the friend was forced to watch it too, uh, <laughs> which was, and she got really into it. They are just so much fun to watch, and they're doing all this right now without Sydney Parrish which you could make the argument that Sydney might be the most important player on this team outside of Mac because of the versatility that she brings. She's shooting over 40% from three. She's got size. She can drive to the basket. She plays physical. She's a defensive um, strength for us. And with her out, Lexis Bargesser has had to fill the starting role and has found something in her game over these last several games that wasn't there before. So you hope that when Sydney comes back, which the expectation is that Sydney will be back, not for the game tomorrow, but for which is Wednesday. So I guess today, but for the game against Illinois, which is great because it would give her one game under her belt before Iowa comes to town in a game that is going to be insane, sold out and really meaningful in the Big Ten standings. Indiana still has a chance to win the Big Ten for the second consecutive year. They had lost three games on the road to to basically top ten opponents. No, Ward, top four opponents. Top four at this point, right. Not, yeah, not Ohio's, what they were ranked at the right. time, but where but they right are. now, Ohio State's ranked two. Um, uh, Stanford's ranked three, and, uh, and Iowa's ranked four. That, that is insane. Uh, it makes you think maybe it wasn't completely our fault that two of those were blowouts. The third was not. We were not in attendance for that. But for them to take out Michigan State, you know, a real like because pretty obviously is not great, even though it's no. a rivalry game that it's like, no, they're right there. They when Sid comes back, clearly this is a top 10 team that can get to the final four that can win it all. If things really start to click. Look, this is a team that if the three ball is falling, they can beat anybody. I mean, they have when Sydney is in, they have four people who are shooting 40% or better from three. 
Chloe, Sid, Yarden, Sarascalia yep. surrounding Mackenzie Holmes, who's shooting 70 percent from 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 the field. We didn't mention Chloe's triple double and how oh. cool that was amazing amazing it's only i think they said it's the it's the fourth triple double in the history of the program the other three are grace berger <laughs> so she's only the second woman in the history of indiana women's basketball to get a triple double and her confidence is just going through the roof she had five threes in the last game and she's had to take on more of a scoring load to your point with sydney out so i just love watching this team they are so much fun which brings us to iu men's basketball the Pacers? You wanted to talk about the Pacers? No, unfortunately, they're not playing well right now either. They're not. Um, they'll figure it out, though. I'm not worried about them. Look, I'm just going to go right to this for IU men's basketball. Okay. I put this out on the message boards and got blasted for it. <laughs> I mean, just destroyed. Because I said in the seven games we have left, we absolutely could go 6-1 and one and maybe run the table. And that's what I'm going to discuss with you right now. Are you ready? I mean, I have a totally different take on these next seven games, but I'll, I'll, I'll play this game to begin. Let's play it. Okay. We play Northwestern in our next game coming up on Saturday. We play Northwestern. Northwestern, who right now has won a grand total of i'm counting them up live why would i do it ahead of time nah that'd be silly one that's it one road game northwestern has won uh -huh. we play them at home it's a revenge game they've beaten us before they've kind of beaten us over the last several years but i think we can beat this northwestern team at home do you agree i think we can yes Okay, then we play Nebraska, who has not won a single road game this year. They are garbage, hot garbage on the road. I think we can beat Nebraska at home. Do you agree? I agree. So I think probably we'll win one of those and lose the other one. No, no, but you said we can yep. win both. Yeah, I'm not saying we will. Okay, they are winnable games. I'm not saying we will. That That is not my point here. I want to make that clear. I'm not saying we will, but I do think it's in the realm of possibility. It's not. I mean, you're really making a hardcore stand here that we maybe could possibly. It's possible we <laughs> maybe perhaps could win these sometimes. By chance. Um, then we go on the road to Penn State. Now, Penn State did smoke us at Assembly Hall. So going on the road to a team that smoked you at Assembly Hall does seem difficult. Yeah, we won't win that game. But it's still Penn State. It's still Penn State. Yeah, yeah, you're acting like that, like that, that Penn State is is such a terrible team, a terrible yeah. program. Yes. Compared to us who have just been rolling. <laughs> like no. nothing, no, nothing no. besides 120 years of basketball history separates us and Penn State. Yes, I will take the 120 years of basketball history. We'll be on a two-game winning streak and then go into Penn State and win that game 3-0. Then we come no, home. No, you, you do not believe we will be 3-0 after those three games. You don't believe that. I believe it is within the world of realistic possibility. 
you would not bet real money on us being 3 and 0 after those 3 games. No, I would not. You're right about that. <laughs> you're right. But I don't get I I wouldn't look, I mean I you're right, but again, all I'm trying to say is all is not lost. It is not hopeless. Then we Pretty play much. Wisconsin at home. Wisconsin Wisconsin has been terrible. Terrible lately. They can't beat anybody. Uh-huh. Do you know who they've lost to recently, Ward? Who? Wisconsin has lost four games in a row. Oh, they've lost to Nebraska on the road, Purdue at home, and then they've lost to Michigan and Rutgers. They lost to Michigan on the road. We beat Michigan on the road. They lost to Rutgers. They got smoked by Rutgers by 22 points. All I'm saying is they are no world beaters anymore. We're at home. We beat them last year. We can beat them again. Then we play two road games. So right now I've got us at two and two. Okay, I've got us at three and one. Okay. I've got us at three and one. I think we will lose one of those games. Then we've got Maryland on the road. They blow. They suck. They're a bad basketball team. I mean, you talking about them or us? Dude, aren't you supposed to be the optimistic one of this pairing between you and me? That that has just been kicked out of me. That has been kicked out of me. I know I'm trying so hard here, Ward. I am trying to muster up the hope so that watching these games it can have the potential to be an enjoyable experience. All right, but I think we're going to go on the road and beat Maryland. They suck. Okay. I think we can beat them. So you, you have think- us at you have us at four and one. Correct. What do you have us? I'm going to put us at 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 three and two. Okay. I'm not committing to which ones we win or lose. I'm just saying overall, I think three and two. Then we go and play Minnesota on the road. That's a winnable game. Okay. I'm at three and three now. Okay. I'm at. I'm at uh, five and one. And then we finish. You are so full of shit. You do not think we will be five and one. (laughs) <laughs> when you go one by one, it's like when I fill out a tournament bracket, right? I, I look at the first round. I'm like, yeah, we could beat them. And then in the second round, oh, yeah, we're going to get lucky and beat that number two or one seed. Yeah, we could do that. Mm-hmm. And now we're in the sweet 16 and we're on a roll. Of course, like that's what I'm doing here. But yeah. but again, I don't think I mean, this is what I got blasted for online. I don't think I am being. Look, if you said what in our past 25 games has shown that we're going to go on a six and one run, nothing, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. Then we finish the season ward with Michigan state at home. Michigan state has sucked this year. They aren't good. They did just beat Illinois at home, but we can beat Michigan state. We beat them when we were bad. Three and four. So you think three and four, here's what I'll say. I'm not saying we will be six and one. I'm saying six and one is absolutely possible. I will put the prediction at five and two. I would. uh, Do you think I don't believe we will be five and two? I do not believe you believe that you believe we'll be at five and two. No, I, I believe that it is possible for you to believe that I believe we will be five and two. But I don't. 
I don't, I don't believe that you believe that. I believe you you want us to go five and two. I want us to go five and two. Well, no, I want us to go seven and no, which I also think is possible. Anything's possible, really, but not probable. In fact, highly unlikely is what I would put anything beyond four and three. Because, yes, this team has proven it can get its shit together and come back down 18 on the road and play together and play as a unit. But every other game, they really don't. And that's kind of best case scenario. Maybe one out of three games, they really play like they're together um, and that they collectively have their their shit together. Um, But it's just time and time again where things go wrong maybe things start well and then and then they go wrong and then everybody just kind of throws up their hands and says well forget it what i wanted to talk about was once we all saw that happening in the purdue game which you know whatever the first 10 minutes it was competitive and we're like okay hey we're not just gonna like roll over and and die but then of course we did and I don't think we rolled over and died. I, I don't think we quit. I think we kept trying. They were just a lot better than us. Okay, that's that's fair. The The game was over, okay? Yeah. Whatever you want to say about our effort, yeah. uh, it was over. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think deep down, they knew that everybody, everybody watching the game, anybody following either of these programs was like, this is over. This season is completely produced. Well, we were able to... Uh, you know, get them from them last year. We had one of our all-time great players. We had a first-round talent at point guard. It was so, so, so fun to beat Purdue two times in a row when they were a top-five team. Yeah. Um, that was just last season. That was not that long ago. Um, they're so much better than us than th- this season. It's It's – it's not even worth having a discussion about the quality of the two teams. So what I went towards was how much it must suck for these players. Like uh, watching that game, as much as I was just like, this is boring. This is pointless. This is aggravating. This is embarrassing. I just felt bad for these kids that have to play in this game. And I know they asked for it. I know this is why they went to IU. I know they all want to be in these rivalry games. But at the end of the day, just seeing these young men just getting waxed, outworked, outplayed, outshot, outcoached, every single thing, they were inferior and they had like a million, two million people watching. It's just awful. So I'm like, what? I'm searching for meaning in being an IU basketball fan. Like what I'm getting out of this experience is feeling sorry for young men in college. Um, and, and, and there's no, I don't see a silver lining. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's been years and years of this being what usually ends up happening. And why are we all doing this? What is the point of being an Indiana University men's basketball fan? It has become an existential crisis and searching for meaning. And all I can find is this, is this, is you and me and our friends and our family bitching about it. Like, that's it. Thinking about happy stuff from decades ago, sure. 
but really the only thing it does anymore is bring us together to complain. And I'm not, I'm not upset that it's still bringing us together. And I love the community, but I'm like, existentially, it's like all IU basketball is right now. There's not even like, Oh, this is what could happen next year. There's no hope for the future. As it currently stands, there's not like that optimism, that copium we can all drink together. It's just about bitching and moaning and complaining and being sad. That's what it is to be an Indiana University basketball fan right now and has been for a while. I think it's probably a good time to remind people that if you are uh, thinking about harming yourself, there are (laughs) numbers you can call and people you can reach out to because that was one of the darkest rants that has ever happened on this program. And I will say this, a couple platitudes and then I'll, I'll, which I do somewhat believe, and then I'll get into a response. Number one, hope cometh in the morning. So remember that and hope springs eternal. So there is always hope. And two, the night is always darkest before the dawn. So I, I do try to think about those two things. Yeah, and that's also, what's got me through the last seven years. Yes. And I will say that I don't discount in any way the community aspect. Yes, there's been a lot of bitching, but misery does love company. And it is good to be able to commiserate with people that care about this thing as much as you do. And people are going to kill me for this too. I think it is ridiculous to say that these players and coaches don't care. They care. It bothers them. They are angry, depressed. And people like to pick little things to try to say that they don't. Like, oh, look at this social media post of them smiling after the game. Well, yeah, they're not going to end the game and just go slick their wrists, guys. Like, I mean, I don't know what kind of self-harm you want them to do to put themselves on the altar of I care more about this than you. They care. It eats them up inside. But life does go on. Now, I I just am so tired of that. I I think it's you can argue with the execution. You can argue with the decision-making. You can argue with the roster construction. All that stuff is fair game. But when people start saying they don't care, they don't, I just don't believe that. I, I, I really don't. We've gotten to know most of these kids, all of these kids. We've gotten to know the coaches. Woody cares, man. He doesn't want to walk into Uptown Cafe and be and not be able to look people in the eye that, that he's happy with the pro- program and where it's at right now. And Woody's not happy with how they're performing. And, and I got butchered that I'm defending my friend Woody. Believe me, I don't think Woody would say that I'm his friend. Like, I just don't think that's what happened. That's what would happen. But it's just, it's, they're not good enough. Woody would tell you they're not good enough. Woody has put the bar at Big Ten Championships and NCAA Championships, and he has not reached that bar. He's not happy about that. The coaches aren't happy about that. They're frustrated. They're angry. They're working their asses off. You know, the staff is working their asses off to try and fix it. The players are busting their asses. It's not the the, the result we want. But we are bonded by our love for this thing that no matter what happens, 
you know in your heart and soul we will always love. And what you said is, why are we Indiana basketball fans? It's because we get to share it with people that know how much it means to them. And that's going to mean something, whether our record is 10 and 20 or 30 and 5, whether we make deep runs or we fizzle out. And so that's what being an Indiana fan is. That's what it will always be. And I am going to continue while this season is happening. And while I have no control over the decisions that could change it, I am going to try to find some hope so that those games, Ward, which you've talked about, there's only 35 of them a year mm-hmm. out of 365 days. I still want to watch every one of them. I want to text you during the game. I want to talk after. And I want there to be the potential for joy. And I want to try to be hopeful about each and every one of them. So, yeah, 7-0. and That's where I'm at. <laughs> Uh, It's called trauma bonding. That's what we've all been going through since about 2016. And I do, I look at, I'm so thrilled to look at New England Patriots fans right now. And I know you were a huge Patriots fan. You're now a Chiefs fan, obviously. So you've really worked that out, that you just go from the best team to the best team. And that's your team. That's the way to do it. Power to you. Well, what's weird is I was a 49ers fan until like, (laughs) three seconds left in the game and then it was unbelievable i mean i was a chiefs fan last year right right yeah i mean it goes it's fluid ward it's fluid the point being um think about bulls fans in the 90s think about indiana basketball fans in the 70s and 80s it's like i think most fan bases only really get one run per lifetime where they are the best the number one program, the dynasty, um, you know, and do we just need to go ahead and accept we're never going to be in our lifetime the best basketball program with the best coach? Yeah, probably we do. You know, no, look, no I, I reject that. After, reject after, that. after night, after night's time, it was Coach K's time. Right. And then I think now I think now it's like kind of self's time. You know, we'll see. Like somebody's got the crown. Somebody's always it could be Dan Hurley. What's that? Could be Dan Hurley. You know, Jay Wright had it there for a minute. But I I reject the premise that we will not get it back. I reject that. I mean, look, this is what it takes to have the right coach. Yes. That's it. I don't want to get into that conversation. No, what, but I but, but I, I'm saying there's no point to it. Whether it's whether it's Woody or it's another coach or another coach after another coach, that's what it takes. It, it, it along with the resources, some timing, that kind of thing. Obviously, IU has everything it takes from a a a program perspective to be at the very very top. So no, I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm saying just historically you look at it. I mean, the Steelers haven't been the Steelers since the 70s. They've won a couple, right? Now it's the Chiefs' time. The Chiefs have never done this before. They probably never will again. The Bulls had their run. This is what I'm saying. Normally, you got to just be really grateful if once in your lifetime you were absolutely king shit, and Indiana was for over a decade. So that might be it. (laughs) I don't think that will be it. I think we will be back. I'm going to continue to maintain hope. Look, it's funny. Your pessimism is fueling my optimism. And you know what? That's what friendship is about. Totally. All right. So because things are a little bleak, 
Yeah. As you evidenced by Ward's Voldemort rant earlier. Um, we want to have a little fun with the podcast. And there was a story that broke not too long ago uh, about a very popular personality in a different walk of entertainment and sports culture that his life and Indiana basketball's life are converging again because they started in the same place. And so we thought, why not have a little fun, give people hopefully something to smile about. This guy gives you something to smile about. Let's get to this interview. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Hailing from Bloomington, Indiana, by way of Long Island, New York, we are talking to a gentleman who made his name in the professional wrestling business, wrestling for WCW, wrestling in various territories in Japan, back to WCW, ECW, back to Japan, before reaching just superstardom, transcendent level talent in the WWF and then the WWE. In 1999, he won his first WWF championship where he beat a guy that I think some people may know on this podcast, The Rock. He beat The Rock for his first championship. He created multiple characters. You may remember Cactus Jack. You may remember Mankind. You may remember Dude Love. And I'll save his real name, which he wrestled under as well. He is an 11-time tag team champion. He is the first ever hardcore champion in the WWE. He's a TNA world champion, a three-time WWE champion. He is, of course, a WWE Hall of Famer. His match with The Undertaker at 1998's Hell in a Cell is just most people's favorite match and most just sensational, flabbergasting match of all time. He put his body and soul on the line for fans year after year. And when his time as a wrestler ended, he became the number one best-selling author in the country multiple times with multiple books. He started a sold-out stand-up career. He has been a, a college speaker at places like MIT and Notre Dame. By the way, I didn't see Indiana on the list, so we may have to talk about that. He's been an actor appearing in TV shows like 30 Rock and Boy Meets World. He's done voice acting in Celebrity Deathmatch, Avatar The Last Airbender. He's been in multiple movies. He's appeared on virtually every talk show known to man. I knew him for a little while when we worked together where also he was Santa Claus, basically. I don't know if I can say that, but maybe we can get into that. But also, and more important than any of this, is his charitable work. He has focused so much of his charitable work on helping children. He's visited American military troops in various military bases and hospitals. He's dedicated time to the rape, abuse, and incest national network where he personally logged like over 500 hours talking to victims online. He is a multi-talented man. He is as kind and good of a person as you will ever meet. He is the hardcore legend. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mick Foley. Hey, th thanks, Eric. I really, I really appreciate it. Hey, I know that this is not, we're not here to talk wrestling and, uh, well, you know, we're, we can talk who's your hysteria, but as you were saying that, I remember you were kind of like the go between when I was having this. Terrible misunderstanding with uh, John Moxley, who was wrestling as Dean Ambrose. And what was happening is we were trying to organically build up uh, Moxley's first feud. Uh, and 
he was John or Dean Ambrose really yeah. digging into me on family stuff. And I was politely texting him saying, Hey man, can you lay off my family? Like this is crossing a line. And the next day would he be even worse? And I was like, Eric, I don't, I would call him up. I was like, I don't get it. What's with this guy? I'm asking him to lay off my family. He's laying into him even worse. And what happened was he had one of the old phones where he wasn't getting his messages. He was over in the UK. And when he got home, there was this whole line of messages for me. And it was like he reached out he's, or called me. I remember I was going to awake from my one of my daughter's former teachers. And I got this call or this text. He was like, hey, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> like you talk about a misunderstanding. And Eric was the point guy. He was like, I get it, Mick. You don't want to do the match with him. And it was like, uh, yeah, that was that was you look back on these things and you laugh but at the time it was very serious was very let's serious talk, let's talk some hopes man but real quick i yeah. do have to say mick before we do that i do have to say if you remember that started with what i thought was one of the great uh, viral things that we you know it's so hard in our business whether it's the professional wrestling business or the entertainment business everybody has you know the buzzword we want to make something viral like, yeah. and usually you can't make something viral, right? It <laughs> right. just happens. But we thought we could try to do something with you and him at WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it did go viral. And it did. It was awesome. He, you were signing <laughs> autographs at the hotel and then he comes up to you and blames you for the, the generation of lost wrestlers trying to become hardcore legends. And you were, your performances, I mean, look, it's no, it is no surprise to anyone who watched you or worked with you why you became the star you did because the job of a professional wrestler is, in my opinion, to create an emotional connection with the audience, yeah. period. Mm -hmm. Like, doesn't matter. Good, bad, it has to be an emotional connection. Yeah. And you did that over and over again for decades. And you did in that performance and the video went viral. And I was so excited because I thought we're going to kick off this great program. And then two days later, Mick's calling me like, this guy's attacking my family. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and then I would try to call Dean or John and couldn't really get in touch with him. And also he's a bit off his rocker. He is a lot and, off his rocker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you never knew with him. You know, with you, I always, you, you had such a keen understanding. You know, you forgot more about the business than I would ever know. In, in one morning, you would forget more. And, but you had such a good balance between I'm Mick Foley. Right. And then right. I'm the heroes of the show. Right. And Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, I don't think there is a line there. Well, he, I think he blurred it intentionally also. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I just be before before we get to hoops, I'll just yeah. tell you, I I remember saying like to Dustin when Dusty was still with us, I was like, Dusty, you know, this uh, Dean Ambrose, right? He's like, yeah, but, you know, I won't do I'm about to do a poor Dusty imitation. Yeah, uh, do a Dusty, do uh, a Dusty. Uh, no, I said, Dream, will you just walk with me? I just want to talk to this guy. And when I said, hey, Dean he got up and he like jumped over the guardrail and like, like started like almost swimming across the sea of chairs. This is before any fans were there. And he later told me that because I had dusty with, and I said, Hey, listen, man, just, just lay off my family. I said it in front of him. And he later told me that because I had dusty with him, he thought I was putting on a performance 
for the many of the boys, what do you say boys collectively, the men and women in WWE? Yeah. I was dead serious, but he thought because I had Dusty with him that we were doing our own piece of performance art. And he thought that was keyword for really lay into my family. <laughs> Good and then, Lord. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is it, it is a very difficult world to explain to anyone who is not yeah. a, a lifelong fan because right. that line between reality and story. <laughs> it's intentionally blurred at times, you know? I mean, look, it's it's what's happening right now in the world with The Rock and Cody right. and all that. So right. anyway, we, anyway, we're not going to do that, Mick. You are and on this show. If it seems like I'm rushing, let me just put it out there. I'm on low, low power mode. So the last thing I want is to get to a key part and have the thing die on me. That's why I'm like, oh, please, let's just get to the thing. But just be... Uh, aware that if it shuts off suddenly, it's not because I'm angry with the content or unhappy with the content. <laughs> right, the let's get to it. it. Let's get to your birth in the greatest city, and not just the United <laughs> States, but on planet Earth, Bloomington, Indiana. Just give us literally your origin story. How did you get born in Bloomington? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I am a Bloomington native. I was only there for a short while. My dad uh, was, uh, he was uh, pursuing his doctorate at uh, IU, and uh, we were living there for about a year. My brother was born in, uh, on Long Island, but he, uh, you know, had his first, basically his first year of his life, 15 months uh, in Bloomington. And so I was there, I guess, you know, I, we moved back to Long Island, I was five or six months, but I always had this connection with Bloomington always loved it was you know it was a fan of uh, the basketball team more than you know more than football or any other sport uh from the time that I was six or seven years old and like I can, I don't have any notes you guys just have to believe me but yeah. like the 76 team it just rolls off my like the names uh, Kent Benson Bobby Wilkerson Tom Abernathy Quinn Buckner or Quinn or Quint Buckner Quinn and Quinn and Scotty May, who was the NCAA Player of the Year. And I think, Eric, I even mentioned – no, oh, no, I said this in a post, and I think that's why you got in touch with me, where I was talking about coming to, back to IU for the women's game with Iowa, where I said I was a huge fan. I was in tears during the championship game with Michigan. You look back on it now, like, how cool was that two Big Ten teams, uh, you know, in the – I know it's happened since then – with interconference teams, but just indicative of how, you know, what a great uh, organization the Big Ten is. Um, and they went on to beat Michigan, I think, by 17, but they were down by double digits. And I remember crying, literally crying. And I'm not talking about fighting back tears, but actually <laughs> like sobbing when they were down. And I later wrote about it in seventh grade. I can't, if I could find the poem, it would be great. But it was something... Something, you know, Wilkerson, you know, the something was the score when a Waymond Brit elbow sent him crashing to the floor. Yes. And you guys can look up. I, I don't know how to spell Waymond if it's with an N or a D at the end. Waymond, yeah, 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 sent him crashing to the floor. So uh, and they went on to win. And uh, and I'd like to say that I think some of my chair wielding ways may have, uh, you know, may have. Uh, <laughs> Affected Coach Knight, yeah. Both <laughs> swinging a mighty chair. 
Uh, Mick, what do you do? You look. You were, I think, you were about eleven years old when Indiana won uh, the '76 championship, right? And even though you were only in Bloomington for such a short time, you you consider yourself you are a Bloomington native. What was it about that connection that was important to you? Can you can you articulate anything about it that that stuck with you? Well, you equate situations with either good or bad experiences, I think, and everything that's somehow like in the middle gets forgotten. So I think you tend to remember I know, like matches that either went really well or really poorly and everything else is a blur. And I just have these great memories of going back to Indiana. My dad would visit a couple of his teachers and he would go back occasionally. And we always did the, uh, the drives by car. We had an AM radio and a Ford Mustang for a family of Ford Mustang too. So it wasn't like my dad was driving uh, you know, a, a muscle, muscle car. car. Yeah, it was, <laughs> there was like nothing under the engine. We didn't even have AC. So I just remember, you know, you drive from Long Island to IU back in the days of 55 miles per hour. My dad was like maybe two or three miles over a speed limit. And my brother and I, even at, you know, age eight or nine or 10, like just, you know, in the back seat of a Ford Mustang two for 20 hours. Uh, but I equate the, just the, feeling surrounding Bloomington and I don't I'd like the restaurant I think it was called the wagon wheel it's not or yes. big wheel. it's not it's, it's not there anymore but right. my big brother wheel. yeah yeah big wheel my brother was an is an IU graduate and you're not you're not past tense I mean you are an IU graduate yes. you know it's not <laughs> something you were and no longer are and I ended up going to you know a state school in in New York but oh, and, but even when I was in Cortland, okay, Cortland geographically thirty miles from Syracuse, so I watched the IU uh, championship over Syracuse in a bar in Syracuse, Ooh. and it was Keith Smart who sang the buzzer yes. beater. Right? Yes, and imagine being at a bar in Syracuse, and here goes the buzzer beater, and you're the one guy who jumps up in the air and goes yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was in my first year of wrestling, but I wasn't in a situation where I could handle myself with like an angry bar of people. <laughs> I'm lucky I made it out of there alive, uh, but I was so excited. I was so excited. And again, it goes back. You know, I've seen so many buzzer beaters over the years in, in college and uh, NBA. But, you know, you remember those few, and that was, you know, that was one of them. So great memories. And, you know, over the years, I've kind of drifted, and it's hard for me to fathom how uh, an organization, you know, called the Big Ten can have 14 teams. I think that's yeah. dangerous to the the Big East has a team from <laughs> Upper Peninsula, Michigan in it. Like, right. I don't think you can learn your numerals or your geography uh, through your college hoops <laughs> anymore. And I don't get how you explain to a kid how the name Shashevsky starts with a K. But other than that, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, hoops is a great way, you know, to, you know, to kind of, you know, to go hand in hand with your college experience. Did you have a favorite player from that 76 team? If you had to pick yeah, one, I was a Scott. I was a Scott May guy. I just yeah. loved his game. And, you know, over the years, you know, once in a while, I, you know, with, oh, no, man. Oh, there we go. Okay. There we go. Uh, you know, yeah, I'll just go on Wikipedia and I'll be like, I wonder why, you know, all those starting five, I don't, I, that's done, you know, especially with the super five that Michigan had, uh, where every member of the starting team goes on to the NBA. 
Right. And, you know, I, I think maybe uh, Buckner and Benson had the best NBA careers. Yeah. But the other guys, you know, uh, uh, Abernathy, Wilkerson, Scott May, were, were all solid pros. Uh, and Quint, I, I, Quint Buckner said he signed a basketball for me. Uh, when? With the Pacers and invited me anytime. And now that I'm in Nashville, uh, living in Nashville, I might take him up on that. Oh, you oh, have yeah. to. I mean, the Pacers yeah. are, are so fun right now, and Quinn's yeah. there as the color commentator. It's they're they're a great franchise to be getting excited about. Yeah. Your, yeah. your fandom for Indiana coincided with Bob Knight coming to town. You know, you were right of the you 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 became you were like six or seven when Knight started at Indiana. Yeah, yeah. What do you rem- like? What was your take? Ward and I grew up you know, a little bit after you, but our take on night was he was just this iconic, legendary guy. And we loved him. He was our guy, no matter what yeah. he did. What what was your take on, on Coach Knight? Well, I was really fortunate in that my dad was the athletic director of our high school, and we had one of the largest gyms on Long Island. He not only was the uh, athletic director, but he was also the chairman of Suffolk County Basketball. And, uh, you, you know, you equate uh, basketball with New York City. And I remember somebody telling my dad, uh, Long Island, they play with a square ball out there. But we had a lot of great college players and some really good uh, pros. Um, I'm thinking of uh, Toby Knight, uh, Jeff Rulin. I got to see play when he was a freshman. Wow. Fresh, you know, starting and it was clear he was going to be somebody. And because we because we had the big gym, my father was the chairman of the basketball. We hosted the we meaning the high school hosted the county tournament for both men's and women's. So it's no exaggeration to say that I would see, in addition to the local high school, I would see 40, 50 men's games and 40, 50 women's games a year. Uh, which is, I think we're going to start talking women's hoops in a few minutes. Sure. Uh, and Caitlin Clark has done so much to grow the game, but I already appreciated it because I saw how good some of the women were. And in addition, I did an article on uh, uh, Facebook uh, about a month ago about the loss of a local uh, a legend who helped run recreation uh, in addition to his full-time job. And it was uh, Ward Melville High School was one of the best places to catch a great pickup game. I never got in the big game, uh, but there were a few women college players who did play in the big game. And it was remarkable to me to see, you know, at that time when you're a kid and you're growing up to see women hanging with some of these great players. So yeah. I always have respect for what women could do and just loved watching the games. Okay, so that brings me to the point where – you would see these college coaches and you'd be like, Oh my God, that's Digger, that's Digger Phelps and Jim Valvano before he became as big, you know, when he was at Iona college, he was there a lot. I mean, he got his whole, that Iona team that beat Louisville at Madison square garden, the Louisville team that had Daryl Griffith and went on to, uh, you guys are what hour and 15 minutes of Bloomington from Louisville. Yeah. Somewhere somewhere around there. I mean, that was a formidable team. And I, Iona rocked them at the garden. That was the same night I met Bill Murray and he signed my mad magazine. Wow. And and Jimmy V had gotten his entire team, not just from long Island, but from Suffolk County. 
and uh, it was, you know, Ruland in the post. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'd have to think of some of the names off the top of my head. There were a couple teams, Babylon and West Babylon, and he drew heavily uh, from those two teams. I, the names are going to come to me. I can't believe they're escaping me, but they had a really good team and a really good program, which is why uh, Coach V caught the eye of uh, NC State. Yeah. Uh, anyway, long story short, uh, the championship game would be played at Nassau Coliseum be, between Suffolk County and Nassau County and Nassau uh, Coliseum, where the Nets played for many years. The Islanders play now, I think. They may, I, I, can't, I don't know if there's a new arena there or not. Uh, but my dad said uh, he had a surprise for us. And we walked into a room and Coach Knight was there and it just was mind blowing. So this is about the time I was 12 or 13, maybe a year, you know, a year or two after the championship game, he signed an autograph. So I was firmly, oh, I was a big Coach Knight fan. Years later, my dad and I would argue because my dad stood by coach Knight to the end you know i think there was one incident where he grabbed one of the players you know and there was season on the brink uh the book you know which sure. painted you know real hectic year and i think my dad was given an award later in his life and when i spoke i thanked coach Knight specifically for giving my dad and i something to disagree about <laughs> <laughs> So I guess I turned on Coach Knight later you on. You turned heel on Knight. <laughs> yeah, <I turned>. <laughs> <laughs> never acknowledged me for the role I played in the whole chair incident. So uh. That's great. Well, let me read a, a part of the post that you put on Facebook to get to why I reached out to you. I'm going to ignore some of the Caitlin mania stuff, but but we get it. We get it. But you ended it at the end of the post. You said, I purchased a single ticket at a significant aftermarket markup <laughs> for Iowa's February 22nd away game against Indiana. Growing up as a diehard IU men's hoops fan, I even wrote a poem about the Hoosiers' 1976 NCAA victory. Attending an IU game at Assembly Hall was stuff of which bucket lists are made. On February 22nd, that childhood dream comes true. You've never been to a game at Assembly Hall? No, the only time I was in Assembly Hall was when I visited my brother during his freshman year and I attended a Barbara Mandrell concert. <laughs> and, uh, this is before the age of, uh, you know, cell phones. You know, almost every year it was just an autograph. There was no extra charge. If you were willing to wait, Barbara signed it for everyone. And I got a program and she signed it. I have it, I guess, probably in a box somewhere. And that was a great memory. But I've never, I've never been to Assembly Hall uh, you know, I was you know real busy for so many years. With sure. the like I said, uh, I, I guess now, I mean, I I get in the car and time and distance doesn't mean as much to most to wrestlers as it does to most people. But I was looking for a way like, let's face it, this is just uh, is a turning point, you know, for women's athletics in general, I think, it is. you know, I agree. And I even saw, uh, you know, Cheryl Swoops, you know, you, I don't know, you know, she had some comments that were not correct factually and were a little, I think, a little biting. But there was an article that said that should be looked at as a positive because that's straight up like player hating. Right. And that means when you can hate on women's athletes, they've arrived. You know, I, I totally we, we had this conversation last year about Indiana women's basketball because Indiana women's basketball in the last 10 years has had a 
I can't call it a resurgence because they were never surging before, but a birth as Ward called it in our intro. And we've been one of the best teams in the country the last several years, went to an elite eight, went to a sweet 16. um, Number one seed in the tournament. Yeah. Number one seed in the tournament last year. And when they lost last year, they lost early and there was like real vitriol about the loss. And I thought that's great. Yeah. Now you're even. That's yeah. what the men get. So like, there's no, there's no like patronizing them. You know, that's it's what, kind of treating it with kid gloves. Like, hey, we respect the women. We do. It's like, oh wow, straight up, you know, player hating. Like that's big league stuff, and that, <laughs> uh, you know, so it's like welcome to the big time. And I, just, and I wanted to be part of it. I, I, this is not something that I talk about much in wrestling but even when i was the uh gm if i had a feeling and i didn't want to know people be like well don't you know don't you want to know the results i was like no and i don't want to know the ending of a movie before i go to it if i felt like there was the potential of something being uh important i would go out into the crowd and watch it you know i might be you know i mean i might not be sitting there but i'd be in the crowd i'd wander out and i'd and i'd watch in person because i wanted to be part of that atmosphere and that's the way i feel about wow and i know hey it'd be great if the indiana fever pick up uh, caitlin be great for the team i think uh you know they have a real chance to be successful in year one like they already have a foundation and they're missing exactly what she could bring to them and so I will see other games. I really would like to do that, but I think it's it just feels important me to catch it. Uh, I get it, and you know it's sold out. It is. So, it's been sold oh, out. Oh, I know months. it's sold out. Believe me, that aftermarket cost. Like, <laughs> where are you sitting? Well, well, I'm sitting close. I mean, I made a choice to sit. You know, I I am by tenth, eleventh row, uh, just to the side of mid court. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm, and you're I going mean, by yourself? I'm going by myself, yeah. Uh, first can, of all, can we, can we set you up with, like, a tour of Assembly Hall beforehand, like a backstage thing? Yes, you can, especially if it will. <laughs> will that? Will that? Oh, low wait, battery. Wait, wait, before, wait but before we promise that, Mick, first we have to ask, who are you going to be rooting for? In yeah, this? this is tough. Well, officially, I will be coming to Assembly Hall to root against the Hoosiers. I, oh, I yeah. so, Can't uh, you root for Caitlin as an individual, but root for Indiana as a team? Technically, I could, but I will not be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, listen. Rooting I, I for the heel. Say, rooting for the heel. I get it. Lots yeah, of rooting for the heel. And I, I did think about it. I was like, well, you know, I could root for the Hoosiers and then root for uh, Caitlin to yeah. get that. Because it's crazy. And this goes back to the player hating. There will be people who will <laughs> accuse Caitlin of choking if they if Iowa doesn't win the title. Right. Just like it's like, hey, I was I was at a convention and I had my phone propped up. I couldn't see the game, but I was following the results in real time because we thought we should might win the you know get these NCAA and just being a player hating. Now they're th- they're going to add an asterisk to her record because technically there was a before women's athletics joined the NCAA. Oh, right. You know, it's like come on, you know, this is the Babe Ruth, the Roger Maris, Astor, you know, it's like 
you're going to add an asterisk to every single yeah, female exactly. rep. Come on. So I think there's a little bit of that uh, hating going on. But I, in your God, I, my God, I just I'd like to see Iowa win. Uh, oh my sorry, God, sorry, man. But, but hey, I like. Look, you're a man of principle. You stand up for. You're not going to come on our show and change your opinion to appease <laughs> the masses. Um, but I'm hoping that getting you into Assembly Hall. When you feel that energy and watch a game from there, I think you're going to catch the Indiana f- bug again. That's it. And it's gonna, the Hoosier fever is going to stay with you. Caitlin's going to be gone, and I was going to go back to just being, you know, lost in the cornfields of history. But what Terry Morin and these ladies have done in Bloomington is something that's happening in and out every year. Players coming and going. Grace Berger who graduated last year is already with the Indiana fever doing good stuff. So you have your little fling with Caitlin, if you want this go around, (laughs) but you're, you're going to be on the lady, the lady Hoosiers train for good after being in there. Hey, even worse, making me even more of a turncoat. Uh, you know, I, I actually bought, uh, I, the Jersey wouldn't, I couldn't get a Jersey that yeah, no. so I, I did get a four X, you know, t-shirt number 22, Caitlin and a friend of mine who is, uh, from Des Moines was like, great to see you in that, uh, you know, the Hawkeyes black and, uh, uh, black and gold. And I was like, wait a second, the Cactus Jack wanted shirt is black and gold. Black and so gold. I reached out to pro wrestling tees. And said, "Hey, can you make me like a dozen wanted Caitlin? Cl-? You know, it would be a na- you know." And the funny thing is, you know, I don't know I, the uh, crazy coincidence. Former wrestler uh, who wrestled as Doctor Squash is a driver. He drives a bus for Iowa Women's Athletics, mm-hmm. and really, uh, he speaks high, very highly of her as a person, as a young lady. And so I am in a situation where the T-shirts could actually make their way into her hands. And it's one of those things where you don't know. Like, I, you know, she did the the, the the infamous you can't see me, right? Like, which went yeah. on. And even though I didn't like it and I saw it as the difference between celebrating and taunting, you know, sure. and that other subject for another time. No question that it created interest in the game. Of course. Overall. And that's a really good thing. Um, so I'm assuming at some point she did watch wrestling, whether it was in my, whether she was a young enough child to have, you know, watched it, whether she watched it when she was a young child, uh, when I was on the show or whether she tuned in during the, uh, Cena era, I don't know. And it's one of those things where it might be, wow, Mick Foley made me a wanted shirt, or it could be like, what the, who is this? (laughs) Well, look, I'll be honest with you. Ward and I drove from Indiana to Iowa City on the heels of a blizzard to see Indiana play Iowa at Iowa because we didn't want to miss that environment. And it was crazy. I mean, it was it was a big time. If you know what it felt like, Mick, and you'll feel it when you're at Assembly Hall for this game. It felt like the main event of a giant raw or a pay-per-view like it it had that it has that energy in the building it felt like a barbara mandrell concert (laughs) (laughs) it's so great to hear because in a you know my dad when he uh retired from the high school he wanted the new ad to you know have his own time without trying to be in my dad my dad's 
when I say shadow, I mean, you go to Ward Melville High School, if someone wants to go to a game, it is the Jack Foley Gymnasium. It's painted on the floor. It's That's really awesome. nice testament to my dad. But he wanted the, old, the new AD to be able to find his way. So he started supporting local uh, universities, Stony Brook University, and he got the courtside seats. There were only four of them, and the grandchildren would like to go. Um, I was usually the guy who got to go to the women's games. Mm. at Stony Brook. So I saw far more women's games than I did men's games. And I really, again, the appreciation for the athleticism and the hard work. Uh, but there's no denying that it, the atmosphere wasn't there. You're talking, right. you know, you bet a game with a, you know, a few hundred people instead of a few thousand and assembly hall, obviously, you know, complete different ball game when it comes to the men's game. Now I remember Stony Brook going head to head and losing to Utah at Stony Brook by four. And this is when they had the Australian uh, play, the guy who from Australia who played a handful of seasons in the NBA. Oh, uh, oh, um, was it Van they, Horn? No, no. The, uh, the Bulls, right? The, the I, um, Longley? I, Luke Longley? No, no. He had, it was like a harsh, like burbick. Not, I mean, harsh as in strong uh, consonants. I can't remember. We can look it up. Australia, yeah. big guy, good NBA career, and then went back to play for the Australian team. But to this day, I contend that if uh, Stony Brook had won that game, it would have changed their program around. And they're a good team in a, you know, in a, they get a, a you know, they compete in their division. But I'm just saying it's not the experience of being at Assembly Hall. But Bogut? even there, yeah, Andrew Bogut, Bogut. Andrew Bogut. Yeah, Andrew Bogut. So I oh, said Burbick. Bogut, yeah. Bogut, he uh, was great. He played. He won a championship with the Warriors, I think. Maybe so. At the, in the last part of his career. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I just I loved the game, and you wouldn't know it looking at me, but uh, I was a pretty good, you know, I was a pretty good, like, rec player. Who ca- I would lose my way in a five-on-five game when I played, you know, uh, up to through 10th grade. But one season, I think at uh, they had a recreation that was from nine to twelve, nine a.m. to twelve a.m. So my mom would drop me off at a at a different high school uh, that was only about a fifteen minute drive, and then I would play probably two hours like free time during the afternoon, and then go to Racket Ward Melville. So I was putting in sometimes eight hours a day as a basketball player, and I could shoot. So I was eighty percent for the summer. I'm not talking about taking ten shots, hitting eighty. Uh, eight of them. I'm talking about taking 10 shots five times a week where they would record it. And for the summer, I was the foul shooting champion, even though I was nice. only 11 or 12. And uh, uh, um, for the summer, and now you, you know, I couldn't jump over a phone book. So my athletic, but I, I boxed out. I took, yeah. the you hustled, you, know, I was, you hustled. I was that kind of guy, but I did tend to get lost in five on five games and let because I would depend on other people. And this was the same reason why I always enjoyed singles wrestling more than tag team, even though uh, I did tag up with this gentleman named Wayne Johnson. You know, yeah. Corn, the rock after, and the rock and sock connection seemed to work out. Worked out, but I did I I did tend to rely on other people. And of course, singles wrestling, you can't do that. You know, if people are home, like, well, but isn't it? It's not a well. Whatever it is, you have to apply yourself diligently to it to have the best possible match you can. And I just, I like the pressure in the same way. 
two on two, three on three, to some extent, one on one, you know, I was better at playing those games than I ever was in a five on five situation. Well, Mick, I want to be able to say a goodbye to you before the battery runs out. Um, <laughs> but I am telling you, it is now my life's mission to bring you back into Hoosier fandom. Can we get you to a game next year? If I get you courtside seats yes. to Indiana men's game next year, you commit to making the drive from Nashville. I would love it. Yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. You know, and I've been doing some work for uh, Al Snow, uh, my pro bono work. Uh, nice, nice. Because, I just, you know, I like a lot of people, I was drawn to the Netflix uh, series Wrestlers. Sure, it was great. And I realized, wow, I got one of, one of my longtime best friends, uh, and they could use a hand. So I sent Al a little text that said, Al, just watch Wrestlers, love it, would like really like to do something, you know, not just one appear, a one-off, but a storyline. And then uh, the follow-up text was the uh, winning message there will be no charge. And he got back to me like, we would love it. So um, as we do this, I'm just a few days away from doing what was scheduled to be my final OVW appearance in Louisville. But I texted Al. I said, Al, can we make sure that when I exit, we're not closing the door? Because I would really enjoy just showing up and from time to time and being part of it. And I think when people see, you know, you get a feeling, I know we're switching gears and we are talking wrestling, which I said we would not. Yeah, just so you know, that yeah. wasn't me. I wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like they're on the cut. They're on the cusp of something big, you know, you can sense it. And again, it's something I wanted to be part of. And, you know, I'm lucky I get to do that through one or two text messages and, you know, and uh, I know that the talent, because I was doing the math in my head, and I'm like, there's not a lot of money going around. You know, you right. put 400 people at a charge of, you know, $15 a piece. You have a $6,000 house and there's 30 wrestlers backstage. Yeah. Like there's, you not know, to these, mention crew, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So they're really doing it for the love of the business. And I know it's odd for me to point out like one of the stunning ladies they have working for them, but I thought like this woman appeared and I thought she was somebody's boyfriend, you know, somebody's girlfriend, a local celebrity. She was knockout gorgeous. Uh, Katie Gannon is her name. And then you find out, like, no, she's not somebody's girlfriend. She's somebody who's trying to live the dream, you know, wow. trained by Tom Pritchard. And I'm like, this woman could be doing anything. And she's choosing to go there every Thursday night. You know, I mean, if you make enough money to cover gas, that's a good thing. But it doesn't it gas and that you can't get you can't do the drive and a hotel. So to be and then she's just become a symbol to me of everybody who works so hard. Uh, and, they, you know, in wrestling, you know, you're putting your body, your body on the line every single night and you're doing it for the love of I'll say the game. Um, and it's really inspiring to me. So I see all these people and I, I got home after my 12 hour drive from Houston uh, and I watched a couple of the episodes and I was like seeing somebody, uh, you know, some of these people, and they're really good. They're really good. You know, they may be missing that one ingredient that would make them more palatable to, you know, NXT, WWE, right. but that doesn't mean they're not really good. And that uh, what they're doing isn't every bit as like inspiring as what people are doing at a higher level.
Yeah, I'm look, when my short time at WWE, the most fun I had was watching when I was there. At first it was FCW before it was yeah. NXT mm -hmm. and getting those tapes and watching the tapes of the developmental talent doing promo class, like mm -hmm. watching them develop and I'll tell you, the people that were there, I, I remember and you remember Ryan Ward, the writer? Not specifically. Bald guy, really short. Yes, I do. Yep. Yeah. We used to call him Ray Ray because he was like. Ray Ray. A, That's what I call him. He looked like Ray Mysterio. Exactly. Yeah. He, he brought me a tape of a guy. He's like, you got to see this guy. He's doing some kind of Robert De Niro in Cape Fear thing. Ray Wyatt. Ray Wyatt. Yeah. And I just thought this is unbelievable. This guy's talent. Like he's got this thing. And obviously he had recreated himself because he had, he had already been uh, up as Husky Harris. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mike Rotunda's kid. Uh, and now rest in peace, obviously Bray, but, and then it was Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns. Yeah. And those were the guys. Seal. Yeah. Those were the, the guys. Uh, I, that I was the most fun. And also just to relate it back to basketball, that's why college basketball is so much fun. Cause you get to see them before they're fully formed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you get to see the development and the progression and whatever Caitlin does in her career, the people at Iowa, like they are so blessed to have yeah. that, to be like the thing that they remember. Can you imagine the thousands and thousands and thousands of girls in that area that are Iowa fans and basketball fans for life because they grew up with Caitlin as their role yeah. model? Indiana's got a couple stars, Mackenzie Holmes, and we had Grace Berger last year. It's the same thing. We, we see it amongst these girls that come to the games. They worship these people. And they and want to grow up to be like them. Exactly. So just jumping over to wrestling with the uh, four horsewomen from NXT. Yes. They were really instrumental in creating that image, you know, for uh, for younger uh, girls saying, I want to be like them. And now eight years after the horsewomen uh, were NXT, you're seeing all these great independent female wrestlers uh you know when i was starting out I, I i said it was difficult to steal a show it was like a petty crime to steal an independent show <laughs> because there, there 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 really weren't that many good people out there if you had a pretty good match you were stealing the show and now everybody's good you know to get booked on an independent show and there are some exceptions but you really have to be good and the women's game has just grown so much in wrestling as it is growing I think you'll see seven, eight years from now, you're going to see women's basketball just continuing to explode because of uh, this this mania that's going on. So I'm going to be part of it. I I think I have to go because my uh, my phone's about to crash. Yeah, well, Mick, just to wrap it up, I got to <laughs> tell you, man, like I said, professional wrestling is about creating an emotional connection with the audience. You are a guy, you are one of one, Every person who ever watched you gets a smile on their face when they hear their, your name, when they hear that music, when they see Mr. Sacco, when they think of mankind, when they think of Bang Bang, when they think of Have a Nice Day. You just put smiles on faces. And what could be better than that? And then you have dedicated your life to helping people. You're just a bright light, man. And that's uh, why you're going to be a Hoosier fan before it's all over again. <laughs> We're going to bring you back. But I love I love that your life in basketball fandom started with Indiana, this thing that we all love. Can't thank yeah. you enough for coming on the show, man. Hey, before I go, I just want to say, if uh, you know, although I will be there <laughs> rooting for the enemy, 
and wearing my Caitlin shirt. Uh, please, go, you know, if you see me there and you're listening to the pod, your pod, the podcast now, if you see me at Assembly Hall, go out of your way to say hello. I'm there by myself. You're not interrupting me. Uh, I mean, if I'm on my chair, it's crunch time. But, you know, I mean, I intend to be there at least 90 minutes early. I'm going to get this backstage. Uh, you yeah, guys, we're going to get you up on that. Yeah, uh, I'll be there. there. I, I, I by my. I remember when I was visiting uh, the troops on one uh, one occasion, and a guy comes up. One of the uh, soldiers comes up to me and says, "Hey, look, I don't want to bother you." And I was like, "I'm here by myself. Like, I'm here to be bothered. That's why I'm here. <laughs> like, it's first of all, it's no bother, but that's what I'm here for. So, in this case, I'm 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 coming to enjoy the game, but for those 90 minutes, you know, before the game, you know, please come out of your way, wave, say hello, you know. Uh I want to be part of it. And the second thing awesome. I'll tell you is just when it relates to you mentioned the Santa stuff. It is a, it is my way of dropping uh, the rock's name, but I think for 4 years running I've been recording these videos, you know, sending them to uh, the rock so he can share them with his two younger girls and his wife and it really means it's come to mean a lot to him and he really raised my game to the point where last year i i was like i had to get professional lighting and i had my guy do editing like it's <laughs> it is it is like setting the bar high because i'm lucky i did well in wrestling i, I, I can lose some money doing my santa videos and uh, this year i sent it a uh, sent mine to the rock and I was lucky that Santa's Village in New Hampshire let me film with the reindeer. So if you're a child and you're on the fence, then you see a guy. No, I, I use a theatrical beard now, but it's a good one. You know, it's yeah. really good. Yeah, and you all used to have it real. It used yeah, to be I, real. I though. had it real for so many years. And uh, but look, from a movie standpoint, all the all the top act actors have who portrayed Santa, with the exception of Edmund Gwynn, who was in the original Miracle on 34th Street. And, and then the remake, you know, where Sir Richard uh, Attenborough. Attenborough, he had a short, he had his own short beard. But I'm talking about Tim Allen and Paul, Paul yeah. Giamatti. You know, they wear the theatrical beard and it's real high quality and it looks good. And so, you know, if you're on the fence, you see somebody who looks the part, he's got reindeer. You know, he's got reindeer and they're like, you know, I'm feeding them as I talk and the editing is great. My goal, my ultimate goal is to take a child who's on the fence and get the parents one more magic year. Uh, That's the that. ultimate compliment. So uh, it was like December 18th, 19th, when I send the video to the rock and I, you know, I am good friends with the rock, but we'll go many months without, you know, sure. with a or anything. And in this case, I was like, Hey, I hope he gets it. And literally 10 minutes later, there's this three minute voice message. He's a voice message. He, he leaves you the voice message. Um, and I, and I just, I called one of my kids over. I said, show this to mom. And I'm sitting on the exact same spot on my couch where I am now, but the door to the bedroom was uh, ajar. And when I looked in, I saw my two younger boys and my wife, and they were hovering over the phone and they just had this look of awe on their face because it was such a nice message. And like, yeah, on one level, I did team up with the guy. I did defeat him twice for the WWE title. Yes. But on another level, I, I, you know, I'm a guy doing cameo videos. He's the biggest star in the world, you know, and he's taking time out of his day. And something I did, you know, is a big part of his, his fit, 
you know, tradition. That's a big deal to me. So, awesome. hey, I'm going to hold you to it. And I'm going to, as long as I'm here in Nashville, I'm not sure how many years we'll be here. I want to see a game. I'm going to take you up on that next year. And we'll, I'll, I'll text you afterwards. We'll get the backstage tour, uh, assembly hall tour hooked up. Also, and, and Mick, I, I have to tell you, if you want to go zip lining while you are in Nashville, I have the spot. It's just outside of Nashville. And I swear to you, this is true. It is on the property of Barbara Mandrell's old house. You're swear kidding me. Swear to God. It's an amazing <laughs> property. She has a helipad out there. It's like this mansion from the 70s. It's crazy. And they took it over for zip lining. That's crazy. You know what? I'm going to take you up. I might, but not at my current weight. Okay. Uh, not at my current weight. I'm, uh, I'm trying to lose about 90 big ones uh, for my, before my 60th birthday. And maybe I'll celebrate by uh, zip lining, Blinding. but I'm not in a case yet where I would trust any zip line in the world <laughs> to support me at my current weight. And I've yeah, the low, the high camera angle is much better for a big guy. Like I just <laughs> yeah, dropped I thirty pounds as opposed to this, right? <laughs> uh, there we go. All you well, kids Nick, out there, thank you so much for doing this. Hope you and your family are well. And uh, if you're out there at the Indiana game when they beat Iowa and Caitlin Mania, please go up to Mick and say hello. Uh, you, you look, man, it was a highlight for me working with you the short time we got to work together. You, you were always nothing but but classy and good to me. And I, I've just, you know, I've been a fan of yours before that. I've been a fan of yours since. Read all your books. Love your appearances. You're just a bright light, man. You just make everybody uh, happy. So thanks so well, much for hey, doing Thank this. you. And I hate to end this on an ominous tone. But if IU does win and there's any court storming, I'm going to be guarding Caitlin with my life. All right? <laughs> Nobody's knocking down that young lady while I'm at the game. <laughs> no, I think it'll be one of the great turns ever that if there's a court storm, somehow you rip off the Caitlin shirt. We got Hoosier Nation underneath and you're just tearing it up. That's not happening, but I do like it. I admire your, uh, your there's vision. my creative pitch. We'll send it into the office. <laughs> hey, this was a blast. I'm so glad you talked me out of my six month moratorium <laughs> by explaining the basketball loophole. So <laughs> wrestling podcast, be like, wait, he's doing this thing with Pankowski. He's like, we were talking hoops. That's right. And Pankowski yeah. didn't bring up the wrestling. <laughs> no, I did. I went there. Uh, hey, man. thanks, guys. This was a blast. I really enjoyed it. I can't I can't wait to be at Assembly Hall. That was a guest. That was a guest. It's exactly how he was when I worked with him a decade ago, with the exception of then it would get deathly serious because then it was about, like, making content that was, like, you know, for his character. But he's just such a good dude. Just a big, delightful kid, you know? Like, he just got that that joy of i mean you wouldn't you wouldn't guess that the man had just beaten the holy shit out of his body for decades you know like to to come out of the other end of being such a hardcore wrestler and really enduring that kind of punishment and to just be able to sit there and be jolly it 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 almost doesn't really compute for me no it's and i'll be honest with you i meant what i said like he started to go down health wise and then got himself back. I don't know what he did, but I mean, the, did, this was in the era where you would take chair shots to the head and they don't do that anymore, really, because people realize CTE and concussions. Yeah. But 
he if you go up go look on YouTube rock Mick Foley chair shots there is a hellacious match it's considered maybe the most brutal match in the history of WWF or E Mick has his hands handcuffed behind him and rock hits him in the head full force I think 18 times mm. And it is, and Mick's family is there watching. That was part of the Fine, story, right? They're like crying. Yeah, I've yes. seen that. Oof. It is horrific. You, you couldn't get away with that today. Nobody would do it, and yet he still has this amazing recall of the starting five and players, right? I'd be mean, like, yeah, like, like I was like, I don't think I could have rattled off, uh, you know, seventy six as quickly as he did. It does. I, one, I'm so impressed by his memory after all those chair shots and also just that much more disappointed in my own. <laughs> like, no reason for that. Look, I hope people are still listening to it at this point, even though I know they probably turn it off after Mick. But I want to say this, Ward. Yeah. You asked the question before, why do we why do, we do this? Mm -hmm. Why are we Indiana fans? That's why. Because this kid who lived in Bloomington for like five or six months, <laughs> for 50 years later, can rattle off the starting five and it fills him with joy talking about it. And he remembers a line from a poem he wrote in seventh grade. That's why we do it. And it's about his dad and his brother. You know, it's, it's and his dad to being the night guy and him wanting yeah. to argue with his dad about it. Like it, that's why we do it, man. Like the wins and losses, of course we want to win, but it's more than that. It is so much more than that. It is life core memories. Yeah, it is. It is just sort of redefining it for oneself. It's like this and this. It's like, well, no, it's really just this. It's really just, it's just the family. It's just the community. It's just the connection. Uh, it's been so long since we've been good. It's not, it's clearly not about winning basketball. That's, that is, we would love, we would love for it to be incorporated into it again. I think it would only enhance all these other things. Um, certainly the happy part of it, the joyous part, but look, I think the real, the real story is this heel turn, you know, here's this guy <laughs> who was born and raised a Hoosier clearly had the the right things taught to him by his father. He turns on his own father. He turns on Indiana University. He's going to show up by himself rooting for Iowa, inviting people to come at him. Now, <laughs> yes, I'm sure he's thinking that is a more uh, uh, friendly. friendly type of exchange, which I'm sure it will be unless somebody's out of their mind. Um, but, man, we've got to get him to do a face turn by next season. Like, yeah, let no. him... Let it's him have this weird... fun with Caitlin, and then he's back to being a Hoosier. Look, Mick Foley was known in wrestling as being a schizophrenic character. He had multiple, you know, um, faces. He had Cactus Jack. He had Dude Love. He had Mankind. The three faces of Foley is what it was referred to. And in one Royal Rumble, he appeared as all of them. <laughs> so it's not surprising to me that even his basketball fandom is schizophrenic. He's an IU men's basketball fan, but an Iowa female basketball fan. We're going to have to change it. You know, the world of professional wrestling, it's all fluid. You, you, you're you a baby face sometimes. You're heels sometimes. We'll get him there. 
I just love that he's going to be in Assembly Hall. It's a bucket list thing for him, and he gets to be there, and that game is going to be special. It is going to be a special environment. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Mankind character hung out around boilers and boiler rooms. (laughs) You know, the crazy, just horrific, scary um, character was a boilermaker, ultimately. So... I think the dude love is maybe is what we want his IU persona to be right. Or that Cactus would... Jack or Cactus Jack. I love yeah. Cactus Jack. He's a shooter, but this is a start, right? This is bringing him back into the fold when he sees how the IU women play as a team to take down the evil empire with Darth Vader. Um, how could he resist? How could he resist? Be like, okay, here's this one cocky, arrogant, um, player that nobody really likes unless they're from iowa yeah that we wish was on our team go ahead keep going she's not so we don't (laughs) Um, and then he sees this everything that is good and right with sport and humanity and certainly basketball which is the iu women's team we won't need to do much salesmanship to him he'll see where more fun and more joy is moving forward couldn't agree more All right. As always, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E. No I. You'll have to just put one in. I didn't ask him to do it. I really wish you'd asked him to do it. Maybe I can ask him separately. Yeah. I'm just so it is the most incompetent thing we do. You. That's I mean, I, I mean, it's more you. Right. No, you're part of it, dude. It's a partnership. I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> All right, man. Well, our first professional wrestler that has appeared on the podcast. That's Mick cool, man. Foley. It took 261 episodes to get a pro wrestler, which is shocking considering you're, you're the one doing the booking. I'm surprised it wasn't like one of the first five people we booked was a wrestler. <laughs> and that had nothing to do with Indiana. Hey, Ward, I, this Indiana stuff is great, <laughs> but are you familiar with... Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Superfly Snooker. I was, you know, what's funny? I was about to say Snooker, but he's passed away. Mm. I was trying to find one in my head that wasn't passed away, and it's like that's tough. I just, I just read that he was a big influence on Mick's career. Like Mick saw him as a steel kid. cage match, Don the Rock Morocco, one of the greatest steel cage matches you will ever see. Snooker comes off the top of the cage, splashes down, which is an iconic moment. But then the greatest moment is it used to be in steel cage matches. They don't really do this anymore. Steel cage matches, the way to win is you climb over the top or you ask for the door to be open and you get to the floor. They do it every once in a while, but that used to be how all steel cage matches ended. And Don Don the Rock Morocco and uh, Jimmy Snooker were in a steel cage match once where it was a great match. And then Snooker like throws... Morocco against the ropes and then flying towards the door and Morocco calls for the door as he's flying through the air and he just flies out of it and wins the match. (laughs) It was a great moment. All right. Well, two of my great loves, Indiana basketball and professional wrestling. Usually ne'er the twain shall meet, but today we bring them together with nothing but Hoosier love. You want to say anything to wrap it up? I got to pee. There we go. Good way to end. Although I will end it in classic McFoley fashion. Ward and Hoosier Nation, have a nice day. That was the book I read. There you go.
could have left it with me just saying have a nice day but had to as as used to be said in wrestling all the time you had to get your shit in oh yeah well i mean it's just a matter of which one do i cut it off after <laughs> I can, it really could be either one of us on any given show whose shit gets in last the truth is you added it ended 40 minutes ago <laughs> it was right when mick hung up <laughs> From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Warden Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier.